Hello and welcome to Vet Chloe on the Road. Insights from real people making positive change for our planet. I am Chloe, a veterinarian who has an interest in wildlife and all things environmental. And this is a show for people who would like to connect, learn and prioritize caring for our beautiful green and blue world. Come join me as I travel around Australia in my van Layla. Let's share all things conservation and meet all the inspiring environmental heroes along the way. And on today's podcast, do you want to meet some of Australia's amazing and unusual native animals? Since you couldn't be there to join me on my wildlife safari with the wonderful Wendy, listen in as we debrief on all the incredible animals we saw and learn more about them and their unique habitats. So hello and welcome, Wendy. Thank you for being here. Well, thank you for having me, Chloe. Yes, absolutely. So we're actually outside of Layla the Van in our camper van, um, set up park in Byron Bay. And I've just had the best day with Wendy. She was my environmental scientist guide on her Vision Walks, her company. Um, and I would just like, Wendy, if you could introduce yourself a bit more beyond that. Yeah, hi. Um, my name's Wendy. I'm, um, I've been a, a tour guide here running a, in Byron Bay, running an ecotourism company for the past 10 years. A uh, bit about my background. My first degree is in environmental science. Um, I did that about a million years ago. Um, basically to become a park ranger but when I graduated there were like 400 people going for one job so I ended up getting a bit distracted for a while with bright shiny things. I worked for the BBC in London for 10 years and then when I came back to Australia I decided to uh, start um, an ecotourism company in, in Byron Bay and here I am 10 years later. Yeah, fabulous. And you really did a great job with our tour guide today, Oliver and myself, plus a French couple. Um, so it's a nice, small, intimate group. And we've just come back from it. Um, you know, it's now coming up to 5 p.m. and we headed off at 9.30. So it's been a nice full day. Um, and you were, you were wonderful. You were very um, well informed and you've got good humor. You're a great teacher. And um, I, I can tell you've got a real keen interest in this. So it was lovely to have your company and your expertise oh that's very kind <laughs> very kind Thank yeah you. definitely I, I really would recommend if you are in the Byron Bay area to look up um, Vision Walks and Wendy um, it was sort of the first hit when I googled it and it had some great reviews and um, definitely um, was well well worth it so um, we had a good day all full of animals didn't we yeah we found um, <laughs> everything we were looking for today we which did is fantastic we did and um, we probably just have our, our conversation by going mm. through our day and just picking up on conversations from it. Um, the first stop off was the flying foxes, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, tell us more about that. Yeah, so there's this great uh, colony of flying fox that we go out and see. These are the grey-headed flying fox. I don't know how many is there, but um, I'm going to say thousands. Yeah. Um, and we, we can walk to this uh, couple of little spots and we get fairly close um, but not right underneath them. Um, but we get close enough so we can have a good look and get some photos and uh, we can um, have a really nice look at the flying fox and watch their behaviour, which is yeah. fantastic. And they're all chattering away and we um, had binoculars and we could really see them up close. They're all kind of scratching themselves and somewhat looking like they're pushing each other around for better branch space. And uh, Yeah, they're pretty noisy at times, aren't they? They are, yeah, they are noisy. And um, I took a, a short video at one time. Maybe I can share that with you listeners. And Wendy is great with her photographs. So I think I'll um, 
grab a few from your Facebook page and share with people, if that's all right. Oh, of course, that's what <laughs> I do it for, yeah. Yeah, because you've got a great lens to get up close and um, it was wonderful to see them all interacting. They head out um, in the evening yep, to go and feed and they, they come back. They might start soon, actually. They set yeah. out at uh, sunset every day. Yeah. And they come back by sunrise. And come yep. back. And they're called uh, macro um, oh, megabats. Megabats, sorry. Megabats. Megabats, because yep. um, they are large bats. Yep. Um, and their, I guess you call it their wings, yeah. um, are like large hands. If you look at the digits, mm-hmm. it's sort of equal to our human hands. Yep. And they're, they're, they're beautiful creatures, really. And what I liked most about our conversations about them was how it's like automatic the way they grip the branch, right? Mm. There's no actual... Um, muscle use for that it's almost like it's like us breathing I say it's like us breathing we do it without thinking and they grip without thinking and it's It's almost like a biomechanical thing as soon as they as soon as they hit it they they close their hands (laughs) because they're just hanging upside down (laughs) and um, you know they they wrap their their wings around them um, Mm. and they're all meant to be sleeping but there actually seemed to be a lot of commotion (laughs) there there certainly is at times yes a lot of commotion at times yeah and it was the grey-headed uh, flying fox yep. that we saw, which are a pretty big one too. They're they're one of our bigger ones. And one of the other interesting thing about flying fox, rather than microbats, which is what other mm-hmm. people are more used right. to, is that microbats are using the echolocation, and the the megabats, like the flying fox, they don't. Um, they're just using their eyes and ears when they're flying around. Um, so it's uh, pretty amazing that they they're able to do everything they do. Yeah, yeah. No, they are um, a very interesting animal, and we actually saw them in flight as well. Um, and it was in a rainforest area, mm-hmm. was it not? Yep. 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 Dry rainforest. Yeah. Yep. So that might make people a bit surprised. Rainforest, you always <laughs> think it's only in the Amazon. But I guess um, you were saying that a rainforest is basically any forest that has a canopy or covered I, canopy. It's, 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 about the, it's about how much um, the uh, canopy blocks out the light. Right. But also the species that are in there. So Lots of um, biodiversity. Yeah, lots of biodiversity. Yep. Um, and that classes of rainforest. And there's different types of rainforests. Yeah. Um, and what was that one that we were in? That was quite a, we call that a dry rainforest. It yep. sounds weird, but it's, yeah. it, that's what it was. Um, yep. And then later in the day, we went to a lowland um, um, subtropical rainforest. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So we, um, what's also great about um, what sold uh, Wendy's torch for me was also the fact that you see all these different animals, but also you saw our three main habitats. We'll discuss it as our interview goes on. Um, but rainforest, um, we had the eucalypt forests yep. and the grasslands. Yep. Yeah. And yep. we saw different animals, and you'll see which animals as we go. Um, but... Uh, I think that's all on the flying foxes, really. Yeah. 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 It was sort of a, a just a little taster at the start of the morning. Um, but then we were really on a koala hunt. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and this is the main animal that people think of when they think of Australia, along with the ruse. And um, do you want to tell us some of your favorite things about the koala? Yeah, well, um, they sleep a lot. <laughs> yes. They sleep like 18 hours a day. Um, and some people think it's because they're stoned, but they're really not. They're, they're just like um, energy misers because they're not yep. getting a lot of energy from the, um, from the eucalyptus that they eat. Um, they eat, uh, they only eat eucalyptus. Uh, there's 700 species of eucalyptus in Australia, but of those they tend to eat about 30. And then in each different regions, there's different species uh, that they'll eat. So um, the ones around here tend to eat the, the forest red gum, the tallow wood, 
the swamp mahogany and uh, the flooded gum. They, they, mm. They're all their primary species. So if you see them, have a look first in koalas. <laughs> yeah, and uh, you're great at spotting them. And they're like these little, um, you know, grey lumps <laughs> up high in the trees. Um, and they really, you know, do look like a bear up in the trees, but they are not a bear. No. It's a good thing to clarify. They are a marsupial, yep. um, which is classed as those pouched animals, which Australia is notorious for. Um, <laughs> What were you saying? Um, pretty much all the Australian animals are marsupials. Ma- most of most of Australia's mammals are marsupials, and the only exceptions are the bats, the rats, the dingoes, and our monotremes, which are the um, echidnas and the platypus. All of our other native mammals are all marsupials. <laughs> all marsupials. Yep. yep. And monotremes are the ones that lay eggs, so yep. they are class weird. separate. Yep, they are weird, <laughs> um, and. Beyond Australia, marsupials are found in uh, South America, America. and I think there's one in America just north of Mexico. Yeah, and I think there's some in in Papua New Guinea as well, but that's because we had a land bridge up until fairly recently. Yeah, yeah. So, (laughs) so about to sneeze. Um, So, yeah, Australia, when you come out here, you want to see these marsupials. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And actually, you had an interesting fact there, which was um, koalas are closely related to the wombats and wombats because they're diggers their pouch faces down down yeah (laughs) outwards because you don't want to fill up your pouch when you're digging a burrow (laughs) and the the koalas opens down as well you'd think they'd open up like the kangaroos do like opening towards the the mum's head but they don't (laughs) they open the other way yeah but they're still really cute it seems to work for the koalas really nicely yeah i've seen watched them coming in and out of the pouches and it seems to work really nicely yeah so I mean, Australia is just known for having these very quirky animals, but when you actually think about it, it can work in their favour. Yeah. Um, so these koalas, their main diet is the eucalyptus, mm-hmm. well, is only the oh, eucalyptus um, trees and the leaves, which are high in certain toxins. Yep. Um, and that's why they need to sleep a lot to metabolise it, yeah. um, take time to digest. And they tend to like, the, they also don't drink. Um, yes. So they don't drink water, but they... They get all their moisture usually from the leaves, so they prefer the, the sort of newer sort of leaves because they have more moisture in them. Yeah. Um, and they and the, the sort of older leaves are a bit more toxic and they have less yeah. moisture. So and that would be like the reason why they would move tree to tree, just yeah. trying to get the, the fresh shoots. Yeah. yeah. And also I, I had read that koala means in Aboriginal language without water. Yeah, or no drink or something no like that. It's something no like that. No water, no drink, something like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so it makes sense. Um, they 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 knew that, and sadly, you were saying that um, they aren't the um, the brightest no. bunch. Um, no. And even if they're dehydrated in a tree and down below is some fresh water, they won't go and and no, have a drink yeah, this <laughs> necessarily. Is what, this is what one of the guys from the koala care center was telling me one day. There was they picked up a couple of koalas that were dehydrated and that was sitting right above a whole lot of fresh water and they hadn't <laughs> worked out that they could have drunk that. Um, oh, less than little cottons. I know. <laughs> So, um, but also what I found interesting is that you said that they have two thumbs. Yeah. Um, and so there's there's three other digits. They have five five digits in total, but two are actually thumbs. Yeah. And we were watching them with our binoculars and how they manage to sit so high up in these trees is that they've got like a padding on their bums. Yeah. They can sit comfortably and their um, their hands are gripped. Mm. Again, like the flying fox, yep. there's no energy needed to no. grip. No, it's all um, automatic. It's like... A, like right, yeah. like a knee-jerk response, yeah. like yeah. a reflex. Yeah. 
They're very good up in those trees. They're very, yeah. um, they're really agile and they're really amazing when you when you watch them moving about. Yeah, yeah. So we we were on a bit of a bit of a hunt. Our first stop off was actually some university grounds yep. um, that have done well to try and um, encourage the koalas to be there. Because sadly, you may have heard that koalas have a real battle with habitat loss. And is it 90% of koalas have been lost in Australia? Yeah, what's some, yeah it, it, I think it is about 90. Um, because uh, before white man got here, there was about t- um, 10 million koalas. And now we think there's about 100,000. Right, yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's not great. Yeah. Um, in this particular era, era they've, um, they've lost, we've lost um, 50% of our koalas in the last 10 years. Yeah, and this that's is so tragic. mostly due to habitat loss, but yep. also the disease chlamydia, which is um, yeah. going through them, which is, is not good. Yeah. No, and I've had um, experience firsthand with this as a veterinarian mm. when I was a vet student in Tenable Bay, just further south. Oh, cool. um, okay. <laughs> we had a lot of koala carers coming into the vet clinic with yep. koalas with chlamydia. And just to clarify, it is um, a different strain to the human chlamydia. And yes, it is an STD, but it can also be transferred by open wounds and urine and the chest secretions that the male koalas have. Mm. And koalas are not the cuddly animals we all think they could and should be. So actually, when they're not sleeping, the males are actually fighting for their territory, putting chest secretions, urine on the trees, Mm. and the females are actually quite promiscuous. Mm. So it can make this chlamydia infection run like wildfire and sadly with the habitat loss it's a double whammy because they um, have a smaller gene pool so and then there's stress on them Mm. so their immune system's down and it's just a bit out of control and beyond you know um, bladder infections and fertility issues um, they can also become blind they get a lot of eye infections um, and they can and death as well yeah it's pretty bad it is so part of the uni we actually had um, the koala well, Friends of the Koala. Yeah, it's called the Koala Care Centre. Yep. Um, so I work very closely with those guys. So yeah. um, if I... Because I'm out looking for koalas, like, quite often, mm-hmm. about um, three <laughs> or four times a week. Um, and if I see... I've done all my training with those guys, so I know what to look for. Um, yep. And so if I see any sick or injured koalas, I give them a call and we... Um, uh, we arrange for them to come and pick up the koala and um, see if they can get into care. And we've had a few, actually, really ones recently where they've released. They've uh, they give me a call when they're going to release one, and yep. one of the ones that I've, I've reported. And then oh, they that's um, and then if we're there with the tour group, we'll uh, we'll pull over and we'll we'll uh, we go and watch the koala be, be released. released. That's really that's a nice thing to do. Oh, as they slowly climb up the tree. <laughs> yeah, they're pretty quick they're actually quick? when they come out of the when they come out of the cages. Okay, they go yeah. and then they always look back and uh, and, oh. then, and then they uh, go and sit up in the tree and go. Oh, okay, I'm all right now. <laughs> oh, lovely. Um, actually, you're pointing out in the trees their um, claw marks. You call them yeah. claws um, yeah. as they climb up and down and um, I do remember the koalas that came in for care of their eyes Um, we had to wear um, you know the kind of vulture leather gloves yeah they got good claws (laughs) oh and um, they're really very strong so I can imagine that they are athletic and fast Um, they don't see that well you were saying but great smell and And the hearing's pretty good yeah Yeah. and um, we don't think there's necessarily an advantage to having 
lovely fluffy ears. But um, <laughs> they look cute. Though. They certainly do look cute. That's an advantage to them. <laughs> um, and you're also saying that their their noses. I love them. They kind of look like these almost like rubber. Um, but they're like a fingerprint, mm. um, individual per yeah, koala. Yeah, each one is individual to each koala. Yeah. A bit like a dorsal fin or a, or a tail fluke of a whale. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Yep. just like how um, on the last podcast with my <laughs> uncle, um, you know, he takes fluke shots and yep. that IDs the whales. So yep. that was all really interesting. And um, Wendy being Wendy wasn't satisfied with our sightings there. So we <laughs> kept on. Um, we actually saw... Um, Quite a few koalas in total. Oh, about eight altogether. Yeah, yeah, we did. So then we went down, um, I guess you know um, the different roads to go to. Yeah. Um, do you want to explain where we next are? Yeah, we went to some farm, um, some farmland to, uh, where these uh, koalas where once would have been all covered in eucalyptus forests that the koalas are kind of being pushed out into um, the roadside um, and they're down these uh, trees down the road. But one of the farmers is working um, with friends of the koala down there and has planted... Um, a whole lot of koala food trees both um, um, on his land and and down by the river to try and get these koalas away from the road and um, Mm. into these other trees but those trees we're still waiting for them to grow so we're we're sort of yeah um, still waiting for all that to happen but um, the the advantage for us is the trees are low, they're beside the road, and we can really easily spot the koalas mm. uh, when they're there, which is what we did. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, throughout the day, um, it did remind me, um, my mum and I went to Africa and had a safari experience there, and it was sort of similar because we were in this, you know, vehicle and we're cruising up and, <laughs> you know, the animals were fairly near and yeah. um, it was uh, it was a great experience. And you were saying um, it's not the African safari, it's just Australian farmland yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> that we yeah. were exploring. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but it's nice. It's nice to be able to do that. And then we went to a third place on yes. our way to the rainforest. And I was, because we'd seen all these koalas, but we hadn't quite, because sometimes they're high up trees and they're yeah. not as easy to see. And then we stopped it. I, I threw up a Hail Mary to get us, <laughs> try and get us a good a good showing. And then we saw three koalas really beautifully. Yeah, didn't we? Like, we did. Yeah, we Very all got close. great photos. Yeah. Very close. And actually, if I had to think about how I felt throughout the day, um, lots of highlights, you know, um, loved watching the koalas, you know, stir now and then and the flying foxes um, as they kind of um, interact with each other and we'll get onto the ruse. But a sad moment was actually um, kind of as cars went past us on the road, the koalas would sort of turn away from us. They wanted yeah. to turn away from the sound and the yeah. stress of a vehicle going past. And it did really make me feel that us humans are quite invasive and it, it yeah. broke my heart a bit actually yeah, seeing that, was, that. Yeah, it was a, yeah, it was a bit. Now, I don't normally go to see them there um, yeah. because the cars are going so fast, but because we hadn't seen one up close, uh, we hadn't seen one too Oh, yeah, close, I'm glad we, we did. We wanted to go there, but normally I um, we, we've seen enough in the other place and we don't yeah. have to go to that stop. And you're hoping that they would actually reduce the speed limit of that road, yeah, right? Yeah, I'm really hoping. Yeah. <laughs> they reduced it from 110k to 80? Uh, yeah, um, but it's still not enough. I need it to go... I'd like what Queensland do, and Queensland go at it's sixty k's during the day and forty k's at night when oh, wow. um, when the animals are moving around, and I'd rather see that. Wow! And is yes. that for all the roads that go through wild wildlife areas? Yeah, uh-huh. um, they're yeah. very good. I think some ways Queensland's more progressive, and some ways they're they're not. They're not. Yeah, yeah. Um, because I think you were saying that um, 
flying foxes are not protected in Queensland? Or no, they, <laughs> no, they weren't. I think that's you mentioned that in the I morning. Know, I know, it's really distressing actually. Um, it was when um, there was a, a Premier called um, Campbell Newman and he stopped them being protected and allowing farmers to shoot them because mm-hmm. they go after farmers' fruit. But, um, but they're a really important keystone species responsible for the pollination of thousands of different plants. Yeah. So it's really stupid to, to actually hurt them because then we're going to hurt the the rainforest that they're actually um, um, pollinating. So it's a crazy own goal to to hurt them. I love that um, term keystone species. Mm. Um, And I guess the definition of that is something that's very instrumental to Mm. the life of other um, species. So so they are, and and possums are also a keystone species. So they pollinate pollinate so much um, because they're moving around and they eat different things. Yeah. and species like koalas, I don't even know if they're pollinating at all. I don't think they do because they just eat leaves and they mm-hmm. just don't really – they're not really a keystone species, but they're cute. Um, they are. Yeah, but the, the other ones are keystone species and they're really important. We have to protect them. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. Mm. And, you know, getting back to the koalas, um, we were saying how it's not that advantage advantageous now that they just eat eucalyptus leaves, mm. but – Back in the day, it was actually an advantage because there was so much of it. Um, And were you saying that, um, what, 99% of the... Well, the eucalyptus forest is different to the yeah. rainforest. Yeah, we've lost um, in this area. We've lost ninety-nine percent of the rainforest. Right. Uh, I'm, I can't remember how much of the eucalyptus forest, but it's a lot. It's like more than it's more than ninety percent of the yeah. eucalyptus forest we've lost here. Yeah, yeah. It's so now it's sort of um, tricky, and it is distressing. And um, what also was interesting that you've said during the day was that um, you know you can't just um, cordon off an area and say that's a koala reserve because they might not eat that that variety of eucalyptus trees yeah. or they might not actually want to go to that area they want to be where they're familiar and yeah and they they have um they're very territorial like most animals yeah um, and they go well this is my territory and they're not the sharpest tool in the box <laughs> so they they sit there well this is my territory and i'm not moving and yep. then all of a sudden their trees aren't there anymore yeah. and it's like and you go well we've planted some trees over here for you yeah and they're going they kind of quite that they seem to sort of struggle yeah. with that a little bit so that's a real disadvantage disadvantage yeah. to um, how us humans are, you know, maybe trying to have that balance of here's your space, here's our space, but the yeah. koalas don't cooperate quite the same. Yeah. But the ones at the university, because the ones at the university have been there for so long, yep. um, they've seemed to have cottoned on to the fact that their trees are there and this is good. Yes. Um, so um, they've, they've cottoned on to that, so yeah. that's great. Yeah, that is good. Um, and koalas, if you're interested, um, they aren't everywhere in Australia. They're just the east coast of Australia. Yep. And um, we've yet to sort of fully check, but they go f- down far south as the uh, near Melbourne or oh, the they, Great yeah, Ocean go, Road? Yeah, all the way down to the Great Ocean Road. They're not in Tasmania, and you find them in Adelaide as well. Okay. Um, and, and Kangaroo Island. Uh, but I think they've been introduced to Kangaroo yep. Island. But they're main, mostly down the east coast. Yes. And then they go... F- up north to, not quite I'm sure. I'm not sure exactly how far up they go, actually, because yeah. um, you've got a lot of rainforest on the yep. coast, so they'd be inland. So, um, As I'm long as there's eucalyptus trees, yeah. You might find them. That's right. <laughs> and flying foxes, are they They're all plentiful? over too. Yeah, yeah, they're all over too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So then our next mission, <laughs> um, after the koalas, was the, if I'm saying it right, the paddy melon? Yeah. <laughs> um, so this is a rainforest kangaroo. Yep from my understanding, and it's basically a small little kangaroo. Um, and what's great is that probably was my highlight of today because I haven't actually seen them before. I have seen all the other species. Yeah. Um, 
and we went to an area of rainforest after a lovely lunch um, picnic, and um, we sighted three. In yes, total. we did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The first one we saw hopped quite quickly yes. away from us, um, and then the second one we we all had a was really quite close to the boardwalk, yeah. wasn't it? And we all had a really nice look at it. Yeah, um, and it was. They sit there and they eat with both of their hands and they put they eat little berries. They don't eat grass. Well, they can eat grass. They ah. like they don't hate grass, but you don't normally find grass in a rainforest. No, right. So they eat berries and they eat uh, leaves and things ah, like that. Um, so that they sense. quite often eat with their two their two front little paws, their yep. little T Rex paws. Yep. <laughs> and they um, and then they um, they eat. Um, they just sit there and, yep. they, and they eat everything with their little hands. With their little hands, yep. yeah. That's what's so, um, I think, endearing about um, roos and wallabies and um, these little paddy melons because they do have the T-Rex arms. They do kind <laughs> of, you know, sit up, yeah, up like us humans. Yeah. Um, and it was a beautiful rainforest walk, um, really quite dense. We saw lots of birds, and mm-hmm. you're, you're very good at picking up on their different calls and what's what. So that was, um, yeah. that was fascinating. Yeah, we heard, we, we heard some brown cuckoo doves. We, saw, we actually saw an eastern whitbird, which mm. was nice. We, we did, yes. We saw a pale yellow robin. We saw an eastern yellow robin. We saw a shrike thrush. Um, can't remember what else. Oh, we, yeah, yeah, I think that was all we saw. I can't remember now. Yeah, <laughs> that was a while ago. there was. <laughs> we've seen things since. <laughs> um, so, and are these um, paddy melons solitary? We just saw them on yeah, their own. Yeah, they are solitary. Yep. Yeah, and um, they're very quick. They just dart around yeah. um, in and, the bushes. And you don't want to be. The, it's quite dense, especially the undergrowth in the in the rainforest. So they're quite small. Yes. Um, and you and you because you want to be small and darty, um, and that's yes. what they are. Yeah. 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 So, um, that was our rainforest session, and then we went on to our third habitat, which was um, grasslands. Yeah. Um, is there a, a different name to that, or no? It's a bit of grassland, bit of woodlands. Woodlands. Yeah. Um, but uh, it's a much drier area. Um, I don't know why we don't find, you know, kangaroos on this beautiful lush grass that we have, but we always uh, we yeah. tend to see it around this drier, this drier grass. Yeah. Um, that's where you tend to see them. Sometimes um, the macropods you see uh, have, um, they inhabit a lot of the different niche ecosystems in Australia. Um, but this particular one was a grassland woodland and... Um, and we were seeing the eastern grey kangaroo and we were seeing the redneck wallaby. Um, bit of an unfortunate name, but there you go. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. They are very sweet. And I know you got some good photos there, yeah. um, particularly of that one, that little one in the flowers. That yeah, was a lovely that, shot. I can't wait to put that one up because I think you'll, look, you'll like that one. Yeah, really I could. Sweet. Yeah. He wasn't very far from us either, that no. one. Was he? he was just standing there looking at us. going, what are Really looking at us. Going? And they have, I guess, more rounded ears, you would say. Yeah. They're smaller, they're darker. Um, they actually have more delicate features. Um, so I guess everyone can recognise a kangaroo. They're, they're great anatomy. They've got these tiny little thoraxes. They're not much lungs, but they're all guts, you mm. know? They have to digest grass um, mm. and the little, the little T-Rex arms. And you can see them using their tail as almost like an extra limb for mm-hmm. balance. Um, watching them bound around is effortless. They can uh, very manoeuvrable. And we actually saw... a. Uh, Joey in a pouch of a mum, mm-hmm. quite big, so actually his feet are still flopped out of the pouch, which is pretty funny. Um, and I actually saw one suckling from mum that was on foot. Yeah. Um, and actually, would you mind explaining to us about the different stages that the mother roo can have different babies and um, stages? Yeah, she, she can have three different stages at the same time. So she may have she may be pregnant so she's a marsupial so when she gives birth to something it's like a little jelly bean 
Um, yeah. So before she gives birth, um, if the conditions aren't right, so if, if there's not enough food or water, she can actually suspend that pregnancy, um, which is amazing. Um, I don't know any other mammal that does that. That's yeah. like phenomenal. Um, so she might have that. And then when, that, well, then when one of those is born, it's, it comes out of the birth canal and it goes into her pouch and latches onto her teat. And it will stay there, um, just fused on, just drinking the milk um, until it's um, grown, grows hair and <laughs> eyes and yep. can move around. Um, so we're talking about a few months yep. um, when they're in the pouch doing that. Um, so she might have that one on the teat. At the same time, she might have also foot young, which is the um, the larger one that we yeah. saw. Like, I guess like a toddler Toddler, example. yeah. Uh, I think it's sometimes like having a 30-year-old you can't get rid of. But um, <laughs> they're, they're, they're sort of – they're a lot bigger um, and they're in and out of the pouch. They're still eating grass. They're eating yep. grass and still drinking milk. Yes, that's the one I saw, yeah. yeah. And she can produce two different kinds of milk at the same time, one for that one that she's feeding – uh, the one on the teat and one that uh, is the foot young, um, she can have two different kinds of milk going at the same time, one mm. for each of those, which I find incredible. Yeah. I don't know any other mammal that does that either. <laughs> I mean, that's just fascinating. Mm. And um, unfortunately, um, kangaroos can be seen as a pest around farmers. They do um, eat crops and fruits and vegetables gardens. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and grass. And um, grass, yeah. Especially in these drought times. I mean, around here it, it's fine because this is an abundant area, but yeah. I suppose when you go out further west, then they're, um, yeah. you know, they're competing, I suppose, with the with, you know, sheep and cattle, yeah, with the livelihoods of, of farmers, and they're not as um, highly regarded. Um, yeah. But I, I think they're precious, and yeah. um, I'd rather have um, the kangaroos than cows and sheep. Yeah. So, um, so you're probably uh, probably the wrong person to ask. <laughs> <about that. laughs> well, it's nice to actually sort of talk about the sort of fascinating things about them. That's so unique. Mm. Um, and I loved seeing them scratch from behind them, you know, they yeah. really wrap around their little little arms to try and scratch something. Yeah. Um, and uh, so kangaroos are more social, you'll see them in big groups. Yep. Wallabies are more solitary, but yep. we actually saw a mix of them together, which was quite nice. Yeah, it was, wasn't it? Um, you can really see the long and the short of it, the difference in their height and yes. their, their colours and stuff when they're standing next to each yeah, other. It's great. definitely. And I also enjoyed your... Um, you know, talk commentary about the land mixing with the animals. Mm. Um, and do you want to just briefly mention how this Byron area has a volcanic history and the yep. soil? Um, yeah, so about 20 million years ago, there was a big volcano that erupted here. Um, and it was what we call a hotspot volcano. So it was um, a big plume of magma that just sits in the mantle and it found a weakness in the crust and it erupted. Um, but Australia's moving north at seven centimetres a year. So every time this volcano goes to erupt, Australia's moved. And so what we find down the East Coast is actually a series of extinct volcanoes. And a lot of them have been formed by the same magma or the same volcano. And the last time this one erupted was about six million years ago, and it was called Mount Macedon, in, mm-hmm. and that's near Melbourne. Now we joke around saying the hotspot's <laughs> under Melbourne, but it's not. Um, it's under the Bass Strait, so if it erupts again, we'll end up with a new island somewhere between Tassie and Victoria... But given the fact it hasn't erupted for six million years, I probably wouldn't bet the house on it happening anytime soon. But uh, you never know. It might happen tomorrow. Yeah. And that gives that beautiful soil for Mm. um, the the rainforest to have developed. And Byron area is a... 
It's got the sun. It's got high rainfall. You were mm. letting us know that it is 2,000 millimeters. millimeters a year. Yeah. And to compare that, um, London is 6,000. 600. 600, sorry. Yeah. And uh, Sydney is 900. 900. Yeah. So 2,000 millimeters yeah. a year. Wow. And I think somewhere like, say, New York is about, I think, 35 millimeters. Uh, 35, sorry, inches. Yep. And we have 75 inches. This is, right, this yeah. is comparing it to different things. Yeah. Like it's, it's a lot of rain. <laughs> and, you know, a lot of people might be saying, what? 600 millimetres a year in London and 900 millimetres <laughs> of rainfall in Sydney. Yep. But, you know, when it rains in Australia, it is downpour. There's none of this um, drizzle. Because, yeah. as you say, you've lived in London for 10 years. Yeah, so you've yeah. experienced <laughs> yeah. that 600 mils yeah. a year rainfall. Yeah. Um, and we did also discuss how... I asked um, if you've noticed any changes with potentially um, climate changes or if the animals are acting differently. And uh, yeah, I do. Response. I, I yeah. think I feel that the um, the animals that seem to be having their um, their babies more now. Like mm. a bit, they're not waiting till spring anymore. They're having them in winter. Yeah. But I also think there's a strategy for that because the snakes are still asleep. Um, yeah. And or they go into their torpor. Um, and Which is hibernation? Or yeah, it's yeah. like a hibernation. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, and um, and I suspect it, it, it's a good strategy to have mm. your, your babies when the slapes, snakes are asleep, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> so then they, they build up and when the snakes wake up hungry, your babies are already big and strong and yeah. able to fend for themselves and run away. So right? it's kind of interesting because you're saying that maybe things have altered because of mm. climate alterations, but maybe to their benefit to boom yeah. numbers right yeah. now with I the think, snakes. Yeah, yeah. I, think that's, um, I, think that, um, I think that's a good strategy. But I'm seeing flowers flowering now that, like, say, the acacias that... You normally mm -hmm. used to, that was the sign of spring, you know. Yeah. I was starting to see, you know, they were flowering two weeks ago in July. Yeah. Like, it's crazy. <laughs> it's the middle of winter. It's like, Actually, why? is it good to clarify if I have any um, home friends from Bermuda, <laughs> you know, because, um, you know, July, August, depth of winter here in <laughs> Australia. Um, first of September is the first of spring. Yeah. 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 So that's interesting that you've been seeing things change. Hopefully everything will sort itself out because it can be a bit of a doom and gloom story the it world can. around. It can. We've just <laughs> got to start caring about this planet a bit more and planting uh, more trees yep. um, uh, to, uh, to well, for the wildlife and yeah. to soak up this carbon and to stop the, the earth from heating up. Uh, yeah. it's, it's so important that we, that we do yeah. these things. Yeah, definitely. And, you know... Um, to get to the sort of darker side of it all, you know, mm. even on our drive back, um, pointing out a highway that's mm. newly being built and, you know, they had the choice of going either through sugarcane crop um, or into koala territory. And like you said, we chose sugar over koalas because yeah. it's going um, into the koalas um, yeah. zone. And that's that's so unf so distressing. It's I know. It's like koalas don't have money. Um, so... Yeah. Um, it, so it's so hard. We, we're working really hard to protect them, but the government doesn't seem to be helping us out. Yeah. And like you said, in this local area, it, on the brink of potential extinction of the koalas, with 50% mm. being lost in 10 years. And you mentioned that there's a good documentary on kind of... Um, a environmental? Topic. Yeah. Environmental yeah. activism, yeah. Um, the Bentley effect. Yeah. Or Bentley effect. Yeah. Um, so I, I will definitely look that up and have a, have a listen to yeah. it. I heard your brief... Um, explanation of it but it was just sort of oh, you know it, well it, it was showing that people power can make a difference yeah. which is um, great to hear because yeah. there's also stories where it doesn't yeah um, and they really did make a difference here it's a great film yeah yeah um, 
you know, because we're also talking about how there's new developments. Byron is a booming area, lots of people moving in the area. Mm. Um, and, and unfortunately, even when the, the local council did not want a certain development in Koala Habitat to be um, given the go-ahead, it was um, because a developer could approach the state Government. A government yep. and override it. Yep. Is that correct? That's what's happened. That's yeah, right. we're still fighting that. They haven't. Um, that one hasn't quite gone through yet, but we are still fighting it. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I guess that's happening all around the world, isn't it? Yeah. Um, yeah. Sad. Sad. So let's. I'm going to watch the Bentley <laughs> effect to try and get um, a bit more optimistic about it all. Um, and we actually saw some swamp wallabies yep. on our on, on our, our way home. Way home. Yep. yep. Um, and uh, even, is it called the osprey eagle? Oh, the osprey, yeah. The osprey eagle. Yeah. And what was kind of cool is that, I mean, you know, I guess I, you, you, you just get that feeling that we're, us humans are kind of pushing out the animals because we went across um, a bridge o- over a river and all the tall trees you were saying have uh, are no longer there. They're chopped down. So the osprey eagle has been nesting in the telegraph poles. But yeah. that's not helpful for them or us. No. So now they've built these... Um, Platforms, platforms on poles. Purpose built for them. Yeah. And you pointed one out, which looked like a beautiful location, and nice it, and high. And it had an osprey in it. And it had an osprey <laughs> in it, taking use of it, yeah. Um, so I guess sometimes humans are smart to find solutions mm. around all of this. Yeah. Um, I guess, um, you know, what's your opinion of the direction? It's a bit of a heavier question from, <laughs> our, from our day and enjoying things. But, um, you know, what's your opinion of the direction of how the environment and the animal life around us is going um i'll then ask you a question on how do you stay inspired because hopefully <laughs> you do in some way i can still see you've yeah. got a lot of um joy de vivre for it um but where is the direction heading now i think um i think i think it's like turning around a big ship i think yep. um i think it is starting to turn and and i think politicians are realizing that um uh, that taking care of the planet is an important thing that we all have to do and we all have to do our part mm-hmm. um and it and it could be from everything from reducing waste to you know uh, in a couple of weeks i'm going to go to a tree planting day like out yeah. at Bangalore. it's like everyone's got to do everything that they can um and to put pressure on our politicians to make smarter better decisions um, yeah that's what i'd like to see and start representing us yeah yeah definitely so I think we all just need to take more ownership of it. Yeah. 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 And not just sit there and well, there's nothing we can do about it. Take action. Yeah. Get right, right. Do stuff on social media. Go and plant trees. Go and talk to politicians. Um, get yeah. stuff done. Sign petitions. Get yep. stuff done. Yeah. Yeah. Because, and yeah, they do have to sort of listen to us if mm. that's what we're, we're demanding. Yeah. Um, and that documentary and other examples have proven it to be powerful. Yeah. It's yeah. very powerful. And yeah. this is a great area to live for this. This is a real activist kind of area. <laughs> yeah. The, the first successful environmental protest in Australia's history was actually right here. Right. Um, so Which we, one was that? Or? That was called the Terrania Creek okay. uh, protest in the in, in the 19, 1979 it started and it finished in 82 and it led to the stopping of uh, the... Um, the logging of all rainforests in New South Wales. Right. It was fairly substantial. It was yeah, great. yeah. So I think um, it is inspiring to be in this Byron area because I, you can sense that people are aware much more of their impact on nature. Mm. Um, so that's that's wonderful to, to see. And so, you know, how 
do you stay inspired um, personally? I, I don't know why. I just love, I love every day when I see a koala or a kangaroo. I love seeing um, everything, wildlife. And yeah. um, I love showing people wildlife. I love letting them experience it. But I think... On my tours, then I talk about the environmental impact that we have, and yep. um, and then hopefully, you know, you, even though my tours are small numbers, like because yep. I don't like big numbers, doesn't work with ecotourism. But um, I uh, hopefully I'm, I'm probably preaching to the the converted a little bit, but um, but it's nice to uh, you know th- to try and get some groundswell of sort of yeah. support to protect the environment and protect this wonderful wildlife, this amazing wildlife that yeah. we have. Yeah. No, I think that's um, that's wonderful. You certainly do have that energy of still being inspired, and that's important to keep going. Otherwise, mm. it can be um, rather depressing, can't yeah, it? it can. <laughs> but um, you're off on a similar adventure, maybe in a year or two. Yeah. So um, I would love for you to just sort of talk a bit about that. Um, what are you planning? Yeah, well, in a in a couple of maybe a year or two, I'm going to sell the business. Um, I'm just getting the business in a place now where I can sell it. Um, and then I'm going to take off for, I think, may, I'm, I'm hoping for two or three years. Yeah. I'm going to get a four-wheel drive camper van. Um, and I want to go through all the nooks and crannies. And I'm going to write, um, I'm writing, starting a blog called Nature Nerd. 100%, yes. It's called 100% Nature Nerd. It's a great um, name. And the URL is naturenerd.com.au. So, okay. Um, uh, that's uh, that's all starting. I've got T-shirts I've got uh, oh, going great. as well with all sorts of nature nerdy kind of stuff on them, like <laughs> bird nerds and, and all sorts of stuff but I'm just getting all that off the ground at the moment oh so how exciting it's going to be a success I know it because people are are eager and um you're going to have a nice niche there I yeah. hope so I hope so yeah um, that's what I'm hoping yeah and just t- travel around and write what I'm go and experience nature in places and yep. then write about it and film it and do whatever oh, maybe amazing. do podcasts like you do oh my god I, yeah I would recommend it I can yeah. certainly help if that is helpful yeah. Yeah. Um, but you know for example I would love to have a blogger like you to follow right now I haven't yeah. got one yeah. um, I'm literally um, somewhat winging it yeah. um, and with people I bump into if they've been there they can tell me yeah. um, but I think that would be, be fabulous and hopefully yep. this is encouraged Just, you know my podcast is to encourage people to um, take, you know, get more involved, get more interested in wildlife and nature. So, um, naturenerd.com.au <laughs> is probably going to be a great thing to um, to check into and approach. Yeah. 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 Thank you. Um, and so, actually, we had fun. Oliver and I were showing Wendy our van, Layla, here before. She's lovely. Yes. Got the thumbs up. <laughs> um, so... Um, you know, it'd be great to sort of pass off um, advice and tips and things like that. Mm. I've actually kept a long list of Wendy's recommendations and things <laughs> to do, which is always helpful. Um, but I guess we'll just start to, to wrap it up. Yeah. Wendy, I just want to say thank you so much for your time. My pleasure. For today, it was such a memorable day. I'll always remember it. And thank you also very much for being a part of this podcast episode. Oh, that's my absolute pleasure. And thanks for spending this wonderful day with us. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for listening, guys, and what a pleasure it was to become friends and have Wendy on the show. Look out for her next adventure, Nature Nerd, right up my street. Pickies of the beautiful animals we saw are on my Insta, VetChloe, and on the website show notes, VetChloe.com, along with a link to Wendy's website, VisionWalks.com. But seriously, if you are ever in the area of Byron, look up her Vision Walk Eco Tours. She also does a cool tour where you wear infrared goggles and can see all the nocturnal animals in the evening, which makes up the majority of Aussie animals. Pics of these can be seen on her website, but 
also on her active Instagram account, Vision Walks. I'd love to do that tour one day. I'll just have to add it to the wish list. And if you like the show, I would be most grateful if you could tell a friend, subscribe, or rate and review on iTunes. It all helps. Next episode will be from my travels as we travel north, continuing to travel north, into the Bundaberg area. I have a vet locum there for the week. It's about six hours north of Byron, and its coast is the southern edge of the Great Barrier Reef. What will we find there? Till then, stay kind and see you at the next stop.